Welcome to FPRL, Fake Players, Real Losers. This is episode six, the Bob Campbell six for six episode. I'm Kerry, GM of the Buckhead Bowties, joined joined by TJ, GM of the Toledo Titans. TJ, good to have you on. Good to have you on. This is, uh, like I said, episode six. Uh, game date is June seventeenth, twenty twenty. Uh, we are in the eighth season. Uh, let's see, we are um, 3,608 through the season. Uh, and we just finished the group stage in the Cup. Yes, we did. A lot of upsets, a lot of lower league teams going through for the first time since we've actually had the group stage format. Yeah, no doubt. There's You can see a lot of parity throughout the leagues. I've got a good show lined up for you today. Well, at least mediocre. Um, at least mediocre. We have we have Andrew coming on, talk about the Montana rebuild, talk about how he's getting 50,000 people out to those games, uh, even though they are absolute hot garbage. Um, even talk- though the city holds you like 20,000. That's correct. We're also talking. We'll talk a little bit about the Brooklyn streak that was not publicized and nobody really knew about. Um, and then we're, yeah. we will have. I, I kind of broke that under the radar. Yeah. Uh, nobody. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody had heard about that every day. Uh, and then we're gonna have Matt on to talk about who knows what. He'll probably be pretty drunk by then. And uh, <laughs> sounds like we may have the USBA Godfather, uh, the King Gold Sock himself. Uh, on the podcast later. So feel free to jump to any of those parts as we go, and we'll be back with Andrew. All right. Welcome back to Episode 6 of FPRL, the Bob Campbell 6 for 6 edition. Uh, joined now by Andrew GM of the Montana Pandas. Andrew, good to have you on. Nice to be on. Andrew, uh... TJ and I have discussed this a couple times, or sorry, last week on the show, uh, just what what in the world you're doing, and we didn't do a very good job of talking about it, um, so I had to have you on this week just to explain what in the world is going on with the fighting pandas of the Great North. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting story, I guess. What prompted the complete sell-off is last year I finished third in the ML which is pretty decent, and then got bounced in the first round, unfortunately. And I was looking at my team and my payroll for the next year, which was going to be about $130 million. And Yeah, um, that's to say the least. And my thought was I could either go with the $130 million payroll, lose a ton of money over the year, and maybe get promoted and maybe not. Or I could just blow it up completely and you know start over, get some money, and go from there. I didn't see there was really a middle ground because what's the point of having like an $80 million, $90 million payroll in the ML if you're not going to for sure get promoted? Kind of just setting yourself up for long-term failure or at least you know being on the hamster wheel of being okay. So over the course of about 48 hours, I traded 20 out of the 25 players I had on the playoff roster and got a lot of prospects. Uh, yeah, I was in Northern Michigan when that was going on, and I was very confused when I finally got service and found out that everybody was gone. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I, there's, I think right now I have one starter. Actually, I just have one player from my team last year, and so pretty much complete turnover. And I'm still making some trades. Like I just made the a trade with Brooklyn two days ago, and there's a couple other trades that I'm working on right now that might also happen. So. And the the interesting thing is you made all those trades, as you said, uh, but you are still on the hook. The only two guys that are not making the minimum on your club mm-hmm. are uh, Cantu and Clay. And Cantu is probably the worst contract in USBA history. Um, just, I, it would have to be. I can't really think of anyone worse. Just completely, completely abysmal. Um, and then the clay contract, not awesome either. Uh, you're going to owe him 
You're still going to owe him $25 million in three more seasons. Um, True. Um, some of the clay contract is player options, though, and so whether he accepts those or not is going to be kind of interesting to see down the road. Um, the Cantu contract is going to be really bad for four years because they're all guaranteed, and then the team option, so I can at least unload him then. Um, the Cantu contract I willingly took on, though, because I did get a first-round pick and two second-round picks for him uh, to take on his contract. So I really, that's why he's on my team in the first place. Because I noticed you guys did mention that last week, so. Yeah, I I don't remember. I didn't remember. I know you got him from Hartford, but I didn't remember. Yep. Who yeah, uh, and then a couple other, then like some other players or something like that. I don't know. But it was mostly just the first round pick and then two second round picks, which then I flipped. Well, it would be really interesting to see if Clay picks up those options because he's going to be, you're going to you're, you're not going to be too good in three years. So I wonder I, if he's going to either want the $25 million or if he's going to want to opt out and get a, like a $2 million contract being a bench player on a Premier League team or something like that. I think that, he, I mean, he can be a starter for an ML team. I mean, he's second yeah, right he definitely now could. For, for, like, uh, for the ML. And so he's going to, I think he could definitely get over $2 million from, like, an ML team if he so wants it. So, yeah, no, I don't know what he's going to do with that contract. It's going to be really interesting. It kind of depends on how miserable he is. Um, pretty much. He's pretty mad right now. Yeah, he's really mad right now. I don't see that getting a lot better. And uh, what what is impressive here is when you did burn to the ground, you didn't mess around. Uh, your team is historically awful. Uh, the run differential of uh, minus 200. Uh, you are 12th in every single category in the ML besides stolen bases. So you got a couple guys that can run. Um, but as you said, you want, you want young who are some younger guys that you are uh, excited about? Who do you see as the core of the next good Montana team? Um, that's a really good question just because their guys are so young. So you look at them right now in single A and you're like, wow, they look really good. But where they end up in the end is going to be a little bit of a question. I think Van Arum is definitely going to be the cent- a centerpiece for my team long term. Um He's uh, that. he's 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 similar to a uh, longtime USBAers will remember um, a John Hill who got a lot of time on last week's show with the high contact um, zero home run power essentially and the ability to draw a walk. Yeah, well, I was in I was in negotiations with Brooklyn a little bit during the offseason for Enrique Perez, and he was the only, he was the main guy I was looking at. Even though I never sprung on it, but I really like Van Arm or Arim, or whatever the hell you pronounce his name. Yeah, and then I, my left fielder, uh, Taysing Han, I really like a lot. Um, OSA likes him a little bit better than I do, so it'll be kind of interesting to see where he ends up. I think overall, it's just going to. I'm not going to get too married to any one of my prospects yet until we get into triple. Until I get into like triple A in a couple of years, and I see really where they're going to end up because it's really easy to be like oh this guy looks really great right now but if i keep trying to push him or uh put too much faith in him and he doesn't develop then i think i'll be a lot more disappointed with where the team ends up so tasting han is interesting because my scout absolutely hates the dude but osa loves him yeah so uh, I, yeah, and like I said, I don't know where he'll end up with the differences between OSA, the scouts, and my scouts are like either. So, I mean, what, yeah. uh, where's where? What team is he on? Uh, single A. Almost all my guys that I'm really excited about are on my single A team. So, other than Campbell, Campbell okay. looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, though there are some people who don't like him that much either. So it'll be kind of interesting. Why can I not find him? Uh. He's left fielder for the single-A team. South Korean. Okay. Gotcha. So, and like you said, the uh, one of the challenges of climbing out of the ML is the... Um, oh, Brett, Brett's trying to pop on here. Um, Goddamn, Brett. <laughs> Banhammer. Uh <laughs> 
Uh, so, so one of the challenges of climbing out of the ML is the playoff system where if you make that top five, you've got a shot. But it can be very, very difficult in the small sample size um, to try to rise out of that. How do you how do you view that as an ML manager? Um, I guess, TJ, you've been there as well, although you received automatic promotion in 2017. Um, you know, how, how, I guess, how do you view that and how does that go into your plans for the future? Well, I think the um, move to seven games is going to change a lot. I think that's going to be a lot better for the ML in the future because I think with like just making it longer is just going to help overall. Um, top five, I guess, to me, still seems a little bit much when you only have top three in the SL going for promotion, or you know, one automatic promotion and then the two playoff teams. And so I'm not really sure why it's the top five in the ML, and to me, it seems like a bit much. But you know, it is what it is. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I think it's a real challenge for all teams. All teams are in the same place. I think that if you have one or two really good pitchers, which can definitely happen in the ML, you're at a very, very strong advantage. And so really what you should be shooting for, obviously, is that automatic promotion spot. So, so the backstory to the five the playoff teams is mm-hmm. when the ML first became a league in 2015, like probably a year and a half ago, real time, we had a real problem with ML teams staying active. I know in 2015 and 2016, there was only me and like Thunder Bay, Scott, we were like the only ML active team. So we made it five, five teams so that more teams would be involved. And now that's not a problem because everybody's exporting and we've really turned the corner on that. But that was the whole, that's the whole backstory behind that. And personally, when I was in the ML, I made the playoffs in 2016 go and I faced the Chicago Hawks in the first round. And I lost in that one-game playoff when it was a one-game playoff. So my whole goal when I did get automatic promoted was just stay away from the playoffs, especially when it was a one-game. It was just a total crapshoot. So they were not they were not my friend. We saw Nor- Norfolk get promoted from the fifth spot. So anything anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of that's what happened. Northern Virginia won last year, I think, from the five spot, like you said. Yeah. And they beat. Uh, my team, who had the second, who had the best second half record, and then Chicago, which had been really good all year as well, and I think that moving to seven games next year might not make that happen again. I mean, it's possible that they do just as well, but it's also possible that you get maybe the top, you know, two versus three, and then two going on. Which, I mean, some can say that isn't as exciting, but you know, I, I like the idea of teams being rewarded for doing you know great the whole year and not. Just, you know, having something happen in the playoffs. Um, I think last week you guys discussed how the uh, the regular season PL champ feels more like the real champ than the people who, than the one who wins the playoffs. Kind of feels the same way in the ML, except for you know you don't get promoted, so you really don't actually get anything for doing well in the in the regular season if you finish second or third. Yeah, and all those little decisions, uh, I think, is what really makes the USBA interesting because everybody really has a decision to make um with buying or selling teams we saw last year even in the PL where I had a pretty solid club and I could have very easily got relegated uh over 108 games isn't that long you have an injury here and there so nobody can really stand pat unless you're in a situation like yourself and just completely burn it to the ground. Uh, but all those things lend themselves to, to more activity, more trading, more discussion, all which uh, just make the league more exciting overall, in my opinion. Uh, TJ, do you have uh, some questions? TJ, do we, we lose you? Yeah, I don't see TJ on the conversation. Okay, all right, we must have lost him. Um that's fine. I can uh, always do some editing there. So before uh, before I let you go here, what is because you're down there, you're watching the ML more than uh, more than I am. Uh, what are some? But well, we always like to include some ML talk in the in the show. What what is your take on uh, the top of the table in the ML, and where do you see that shaking out with uh, currently as we sit? We've got Chicago's ahead by four games. They're playing 20, 27 9, some 750 baseball, followed by Capital District, Philadelphia, and Thunder Bay in Houston to round out the top five. 
Yeah, so I obviously think Chicago's going to be really good. Like I said, they were really close last year. Uh, they played really good all, all year. Just Richardson City was very, very good last year. Um, I think they end up getting the automatic promotion spot. And then I think after that, it's a whole bunch of teams that all have really huge holes that could go either way. And I think it's going to be kind of who gets hot for a while. I like Thunder Bay a lot. I think they have a lot of really good position players. Their pitching is a little bit of a concern overall. But if their offense gets hot enough like it can, then I think that they stand a really good chance of being in one, you know, in that second or third spot. Uh, Capital Districts is really interesting because the AI controlled that team last offseason pretty much, and it just did so many different things that I don't really have a good feel for them. And I think Philly drops out. I think that they're playing really well right now. I don't think it's sustainable, though. And then past that, um, I don't know. I mean, you get the top five teams, like I said, making it, and I think I feel good about Thunder Bay and probably Capital Districts. And then the other two spots, just, you know, two random teams that are not my team. And <laughs> you're pretty much, I mean, it could be anyone. Uh, someone I would really like to see do well, and I'm not sure that they will this year, but they definitely will next year, is Panama City. I like what they've been doing, you know, uh, the last two years, drafting really well, building up players. I think that they're probably still a year away from competing, but if they can make a run and they're not terribly far out of it yet, um, I'd really like to see them do that. I'd really like to see them be in the playoffs and, you know, fight for that promotion spot. I think that'd be good for the league. They're historically the worst team in the USBA. Um, Mm -hmm. What really killed them is the David Smith draft where they were on auto and um, did not take him one overall. So David Smith should really be... Uh, Piranha, uh, instead of going to Thunder Bay, that was just just sheer luck. The fact that that manager, uh, before the current Panama City manager, didn't draft, or well, I don't remember what the full story is there. Um, but yeah, you have a team like Chicago, or and finish up in Panama City. They were I know it's small sample size, but they swept me in the cup. Um, took care. Yeah, the cup. The Cup was really interesting this year with how many ML teams are now in the in the Top Cup and how many PL teams are going to be in the Americana Cup. I think that's really interesting and really good for the league. Um, some people don't take the uh, Cup as seriously. I think you saw some PL and SL teams kind of throw their games, which, I mean, makes sense if you're really going for one of those top spots in the PL or you don't want to get relegated or something like that. But I think it's really good for the league to see ML teams have a chance. Yeah, absolutely. We've that's been one of the most fun things, and we spend this time, uh, the whole season being separate, and then you have kind of that chance to to really see what would happen. It's not hypothetical. You do get to see Brooklyn play somebody, or you get to see a Boston um, go down and go down and play an ML team. And uh, over over time, that gap is definitely shrinking, uh, basically as a result of the PL teams consistently drafting later. Uh, as much as anything, you know, the first couple of years, I had the the one one pick in fourteen in our second draft, and got Chester Henry. So there was still a time where PL teams were drafting very high, and those players are now getting close to the prime. Uh, we don't see any of that anymore. Yeah, I think some of it's also really small sample size. Um, you know, with two game series, a lot can happen. For instance, before California burnt down their entire team. Um, I almost beat them in both of our games. And so it's just like small sample, weird things happen over small samples. So Yeah, it's true. One of, the, one of my favorite small sample stories from the, the history of the league, uh, probably three seasons ago when my team sucked, I hit all my pitchers and pitched all my hitters against Brooklyn in the last series. And I think I took two or three um, from them. So... Baseball is stupid, and in a short sample, anything can happen. That's exactly right. <clears throat> well, Andrew, I really appreciate having you on. Um, best of luck to the Pandas this year. Uh, still drawing 50K out to the ballpark. If there's something about people in Montana, uh, they love Panda baseball, that's for sure. Just happy to have a squad in the state. Yep, uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate being able to explain kind of what I'm going for and where I hope to be in a couple of years, so... Absolutely. We'll be following your story. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, welcome back to FPRL episode six, the Bob Campbell six for six edition. Uh, just breaking news. Um, just got off the phone with the CEO of Zima, and they've signed a ten-year, um, twenty-five dollar contract to sponsor FPRL. So we're um, just hopefully the. The sounds of the USBA podcast are as crisp, clear, and refreshing to your ears as Zima is to your face. Zima drinks poured into your face. Uh, we're back. The Campbell contract. <laughs> we're uh, we're back with Brett and Matt, two of um, former commissioners of the USBA, joining TJ and myself. Good to have you on, fellas. Hey there. Good to be on. First, most important question uh, is what are you drinking? Uh, I'm on Sierra Nevada number plus or minus four. I don't, I don't remember which one. I think it's five. Matt, Matt what about you? Uh, I think he's lagging behind a little. I, I'm taking a page out of the Minion Blazers book and I've cracked open a few Guinnesses. Oh. I think. Tell I what, think no, I'm on number seven or eight. Oh, That's nothing, impressive. Nothing, uh, nothing, that nothing tastes better. I, I, I put down a few shots of vodka to catch up, but... Oh, man. Still shot of scotch right now. Speaking, speaking of drinking, uh, TJ is in the process of becoming a man, uh, headed off to college recently, and uh, last night ventured out on the town... Um, and that's why, TJ, you said you're drinking water today. Why don't you give us a quick recap of your evening uh, last night involving several of our favorite gummy candies? Well, oh, gummy candies, oh yes. <laughs> well, we I told you guys that I was going to play Quidditch, right? Like the Harry Potter thing, apparently uh, that's a thing yep. in college. So we that, go out. That is definitely a thing. We played Quidditch. Can and confirm. It was really tiring and fun, and then they threw a huge party that night, and... And yeah, I had like eight of those like vodka gummy bears, and I weighed like 120 pounds. So, it, and then I had like five beers, and I I'm not very, I don't hold my liquor very well. So it was it was fun until I got home and those gummy bears hit until me. Until you started and, digesting and eating yeah. gummy bears. Yep, pretty much. And then I threw all yeah, of it up, and, and then I went home. I went home, and my mom didn't figure it out, but my dad did, and he called me a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you only kind of... need that. You only need to learn that lesson about three times before you realize that that's a lesson. Right. Well, I'll, a lot I'll tell of you lessons what. learned last night. They should put it that way. No, you only learned a third of the lesson. You have to do it a few more times before you figure it out. Yeah, that's correct. See, I'm, I'm 25 and I still haven't figured it out. Um, just, just feeling, just feeling miserable today. Uh, even, even a nice. Steak bowl from Chipotle didn't help revive me. Chipotle's the shit. It's a good restaurant. Chipotle, maybe, Chipotle maybe, is a good hangover recipe. Maybe we can get them on. Uh, maybe we can get them to sponsor the Americana Cup. They, they Probably not after having been sponsored by Team. Yeah. We need to shoot for lesser sponsors like. I don't even know, but Zima is right up our alley. Nothing is as cool and refreshing as a Zima. Oh, absolutely. It's just the, the crisp, clear, refreshing taste. Uh, true true Zima story. Uh, back home in Michigan, we have a refrigerator down in our basement. And since I can remember, we've had the same, it's just a single Zima that has, sit in, has sat in the back right corner of the fridge for 18 years. I'm just gonna let that that bad boy just ferment, and uh, hopefully in the next couple of years go home and just polish it off. Um, but uh, now that we signed the contract, I, I assume that there'll be cases of Zima showing up to my door weekly. Yeah, I assume you'll be getting a lot of free cases. A Zima, a Zima, uh, a keg possibly. Maybe we can all meet up and then we can polish that thing off. Oh, that'd be that that'd be, could be quite the dream there. Uh, speaking of meetup, we had set the record for most USBAers in one place at one time over the weekend. Uh, Brett, you want to fill us in on the uh, the unofficial USBA meetup in or, uh, in Kansas City? Mm, 
Yeah, so obviously Jake and I, so that's kind of two people. So we kind of had that record for the last six months. Well, it's and tied, tied we with, met up uh, in Kansas City to meet my good friend Andrew. And uh, naturally, we flicked off Tyler, because fuck him, right? Absolutely. So that happened. Ironically, he uh, bet with someone else, or allegedly bet with someone else, that that was going to happen, and he was correct. So he was right about one thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good time. It was a good meetup. That, uh, that definitely ties the record. Um, but things that he's right about is now at one. Well, so here, yeah, we made two... That was a double record night. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, speaking of records and speaking of fuck him, uh, brings us for, to our first USBA topic of the night, uh, Brooklyn Streak. Fuck Brooklyn. I think we can move on to our next topic. Um, next topic, the race for third in the PL. Big game on Monday. I guess tomorrow. Uh, we do. Uh, Friday saw the Gold Sox gain a lot of ground as Boston destroyed the bow ties. Um, and now we have what looks like to be a three-team race between three of the four people on the call to move into that third-place spot. Yeah, I actually, before the year started, I had the Gold Sox in that spot. With California maybe challenging them, I had they, California they completely time. flipped the table. California completely yeah. flipped the table on that spot. Interesting. So with with, yeah, with California, um, interesting when they sold. I I think it's pretty well, crazy. It, I, I don't see any reason why he why he sold when he did. Um, I think, I think he could have held out for a little longer. Yeah, because uh, Jake and I just listened to all the old podcasts on our drive to Kansas City, because, you know, what else are you going to do in Kansas? Right. And uh, in episode... Right? In the Gold Sox Runner-Up Edition, episode four, he's, he, he tells about how he's, uh, you know, I'm going to make a real big push for 2020, you know, and then in typical Ian fashion... Uh, nine and a half games into season eight, and he's uh, he's selling everyone. So it, it's not the but it just abuse. It's uh, maybe ten and a half games. It was close, but it was, it was like nine. considering. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I was close enough. But yeah, yeah, he blew up his team, so that kind of opened the door for all the other teams in the league. And uh, I wasn't going to touch any of his shit. I'm kind of set with my salary, so. They really only help the other teams, but now I think it's instead of it being close between me and California, now it's a little more spread out. There's not one team that's really stacked. I think me, the uh, Buckhead, or Toledo uh, are kind of really close with Toledo behind a little bit. That's just what. Yeah, I the last year is what me. Go ahead. I said I feel what makes it interesting is who California sold to. Is they sold to their rivals in the PL. They sold to Buckhead, Atlanta, and California or Champagne. And those were the people pecking at their heels. And now all of a sudden, California sells, and they're they're expected to be in a relegation battle. But Buckhead, California, or Buckhead, Atlanta, and Champagne are going to be pecking with Chicago at that third spot. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if he's if he's trying if he's not trying to compete this year or next year or even the year after, uh, it doesn't really necessarily matter who he's sold to. In fact, that could end up setting people up for some failure down the road, uh, getting saddled with some contracts. What really surprises me with all that talent, um, I don't know how much high end talent he got back. Um, I was uh, not extremely sad to necessarily part with anybody. I know a big deal is getting all the money off of the books, um, but I don't know if he got a top 10, top 5 prospect in the game really out of that haul. Um, you're not necessarily surefire, surefire stud like a, you know, when, when Boston trades, getting those proven youngsters back. 
if you're in California spot, is it so much important to get talent back or just lose the contracts of what you had? Because he's dug himself such a deficit. Yeah, maybe not in terms of cash, budget room. Sure. I think at that point, though, I think he needs to. It's like he committed to go, just going balls deep and dropping all that money. And this was his one season shot. Like, he gets it, he makes a little bit of money from going deep in the cup, he actually wins something, and then he can just say kaboom and Mario card it and just fucking set off the dynamite. But instead, it's like he dug himself in a hole for nothing. Yeah, like, and, he never even won a trophy, I don't think. And no, again, when he like what Carrie was saying, times. yeah, what Carrie was saying was what he got back. I didn't check the many of the prospects myself, but it wasn't anything overwhelming because anyone that he sold to had to offset the fact that here's this shitty contract. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, although the, the Yamamoto contract isn't, isn't too bad. Uh, it's, no. it's not, it's not the Mata contract. That's for sure. Uh, the of Mata course. contract is a lot worse where Yamamoto, uh, he's locked up through his age 35 season, uh, which isn't too bad. That's he actually... Age 34, because he, he, he just turned 31. Let's say he got Yamamoto in a trade. He got... Uh, he got Wilkins in a trade. Did he have 2G2? He had everybody in a trade. Yeah, it's yeah. like he... Yeah. It's kind of interesting. He's... He, what the, the third challenger to Boston and Brooklyn was Louisville, and he actually ended up having a very similar team makeup to what Louisville had. The uh, yeah, the, the trade heavy. The way he was, the way he was able to um, build a team through trade, I was always pretty impressed with. You never knew who was cycling through there, uh, but he did hit on some big trades. Uh, took it, kind of took advantage of the revolving cycle of GMs, making it a lot tougher to build a team that way. Uh, but there was a lot of times where I couldn't believe, you know, even other, some other teams are backed into corners, and he was able to acquire talent that way. So, um, I mean, huge, huge props for going all in and doing it that way. Uh, but I think I would have held on throughout the rest of the season. That's why you built it, was to take one shot at winning the whole thing. Yeah, at least hold on to the trading shot. deadline. At sure. least to the trading deadline. Yeah, but we, at the moment, sucking. At the moment, we have Champagne, ACKC, and Grafton sitting in relegation spots. I mean, Grafton looks like they're probably cemented there. They've reached the conclusion they're not long for the, the PHL. But do you think Champagne and ACKC? Casey can rise out of the eight and nine spot. Well, you know what else is interesting is Atlanta is in the relegation zone. I got Atlanta yeah, they're six. But I guess they're, they're all, all tied. tied. Well, Atlanta, yeah. California, Champaign are all sixteen and twenty. They're all, all right. tied for eighth. I just think that, that that's interesting to me. A team we were talking about have <laughs> vying for the third spot and then could possibly go down. They've just ran into a bad streak. Hey, they're, they're, they're this year's Buckhead. Like, last year, Buckhead way underperformed. And this year, yeah. Mike claimed the third spot. And last year, Atlanta claimed the fourth spot. And this year, they might be eighth. It just shows that nothing in the middle of the table of the PL is really a safe spot. No, not not oh. anymore. The, the interesting thing is... Uh, the, they are still. Uh, I, I know. I know the Pythag record isn't the end all and be all, uh, but they're still plus four. <laughs> that's abs- Atlanta. Atlanta. That's absurd. I mean, they're no, it's, Pi- it's Pi- not Pythag. They, they, that's all the fuck they do. They they, they have run the, twelve games over Pythag and clinch the fucking silver league. Like, <laughs> fuck you, guy. They have the they have the uh, the worst Pythag in the the PL tw- the, at twelve and. At twelve and whatever, yeah, they're they're tenth in runs scored. Nobody scores, and now that silver's out, they can easily go down. Yeah, well, Definitely. they're at best a good third league team. There's no reason why they should be in the fucking Premier League. <laughs> uh, they have some solid players. I mean, White they have like the three. W. The W. They got to kill the matter. Ten percent. 
They really give it 110% day in and day out. They do. do we, all they do is win. Very great. Like very great. They, they, got, they got a lot of white guys that just know they, they play the game the right way. Hey, dude, Mike <laughs> Silver is a black dude from Detroit. That's, that's true. He's, he's I mean, he's from Duluth, my bad. He's from Duluth, <laughs> Minnesota. Oh, he's from, Man, I think he was from Detroit. What the heck? <laughs> Atlanta. Detroit, Milwaukee, South Bend, Grand Rapids, Flint, all the same stuff. It really is. Because uh, Detroit's really, really like Grand Rapids. <laughs> Those two are just totally the same thing. Atlanta, Atlanta hasn't, Atlanta hasn't made money in the season. Atlanta hasn't made money in the season since 2015. Man, right? They they made 81 million dollars uh, in 2013. Just, that's that's what's carried them. Then it's like in 2013 because they made third. They were second place in 2013. Yeah, they were. 30. Yeah, they must have just made all that money then. Just been living off it. They did. They made so eight. I have it as their their profit by years: eighty one million in two thousand thirteen, twelve million in two thousand fourteen, mm-hmm. nine million in two thousand fifteen, losing twenty eight million yeah. in sixteen, losing a seventeen or losing nine million in seventeen, twenty one and a half in eighteen. At what point does that that deficit creep up on them? Uh, I mean, it already is starting. He's he's not looking good financially. Look at his budget's one sixty. His payroll's one twenty. He doesn't have ship free agents or extensions. So and he's, he's giving really Campbell good spot. He's giving, he's giving Campbell thirty five million. Well, and then like and then years. he gives someone like Kale Sutton uh, twenty, on average about twenty and a half million for six seasons. The interesting thing is they've never even ran a high payroll either. Not even. No, they've never been a high spender, high spending team. And they're still, and they're still losing money. That's interesting. I mean, not, not everybody can be Montana and draw fifty k to every game. I mean, we can't all be that lucky. That's for sure. They're drawing more than me. They must have free meth night. They're drawing like forty six k. Free meth night at the ballpark, and that's why they're getting fifty k. It's, it's the only, it's the only thing that I can think of. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do in Montana? That's that's true. So as they, uh, as Shoot to have some USBA veterans on the podcast here, um, I think every week we'll talk a little bit about the USBA history for those new GMs looking to catch up. Um, Matt, I uh, think you can talk us through, or, or TJ, TJ, you know a lot about history as well, um, about the original Cinderella run of... Um, Thunder Bay to the Cup Finals, the the infamous Thunderstruck year. Oh, Thunderstruck was an amazing year. Crazy. Uh, they were they were stuck pedaling at the bottom of the NL and and looking for anything they could get going their way. And somehow I believe that year they upset not only they upset Austin, Brooklyn, but also Brooklyn. They, yeah, yeah. They upset. Brooklyn. Then they upset another team, and then they lost to Louisville, which is the third-place Premier League Boston team. Boston was in their group, and then they got Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs, the round of 16. I don't think there was groups in 2016. I think it was just the straight draw. Yeah, I think it was just the straight draw. I, think they drew, I remember them drawing Boston because Tyler was like, oh, we beat you in a preseason friendly by like 18, yeah, 18 rounds. They, uh, and then they ended up taking it to them. The, in the first team, round, and then they beat Brooklyn also, in the second round. That team also beat a good Grafton team in the semifinals. Uh, yes, so I think it went Brooklyn, it went Boston, Brooklyn, Grafton, Louisville. Yeah, they beat Boston, they beat Brooklyn, they beat Grafton, and then they they took Louisville to a third game. Yeah, in the finals. In that team, that 2016 Thunder Bay team uh, finished 45 and 63, good for 11th place overall. So that would be second to dead last in the ML. Uh, worst year, a four and a half ERA in the ML. Um, just a real bad club that made a crazy run uh, at a time when we really saw. That's when the PL was much, much better than the ML. Uh, I think, yeah, the, the differences I think, were crazy. I think the gap then. is a lot closer today, uh, and we still saw we still saw that Thunder Bay team. Um, 
with uh, USBA legends like uh, Melvin Baldwin and Ricardo Betancourt. Melvin Baldwin was on my team last year. Holy crap. <laughs> or, <laughs> he retired because he sucked. Or, uh, <laughs> or Chad Chad Graham and Jacob Holt. You Jacob like? Holt was the guy who had MS. Do you remember that? <laughs> Jacob Holt got the eye Somehow he seemed to get better. Game. <laughs> yeah, apparently it never like took effect or something. But he, uh, you know, his his uh, his play was pretty shaky. Yeah, Jacob Holt is still playing for Triple A, uh, California's Triple A team. So let's look at his injuries. Yep, <laughs> he, he has multiple sclerosis. He is out for five days. Day to day, unbelievable. Day to day for five days. <laughs> what a, what a recovery. Not not only did he get better, he, he found a way to work his way up to a Premier League organization. Good for him. Yeah. We should retire his number. We like should. That's, that is... He got over MS in five days. <laughs> yeah, and he kept on playing during it. What a beast. Champion. Yep. Tons of, tons of grit out of that guy. Oh, man. Uh, can we go, let's, uh, let's get a prediction in here. Champions Cup predictions. Let's go around the table. Um, I'll go first. I have. Hmm. I'm. I'm just gonna have to say Boston because I don't know if any other team's gonna be able to beat them. I hope they lose, but I'm gonna have to go with Boston. Not just lose. Hopefully, their players die. <laughs> that would be. That would be. That'd be kind of. That'd be eh, ideal. That'd be pretty good. They're fake players, right? I can't feel bad about that. Oh, no. Matt, what about you? Well, I mean, I, I, I think in the old format, it was it was nice that Boston and Brooklyn usually get to beat on each other and only one of them would end up in the, in the semifinal or the final. But this no, year, I think this year it's set up where they were, they were playing the finals. The way that they both won their yeah, game. And that they're, said, they're on opposite sides of the bracket, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, the, I don't know. I, so I almost want to go with a, a middle table Premier League team. Someone like, when I'm looking at the bracket here, I'm trying to figure out who. Like, Somebody Chicago like Detroit like, New Amsterdam could make some noise, I think. Chicago looks like they, the, the Gold Sox look like they could make a run. AC Casey could make a run. Champagne could make a run. They have good pitching. Beat AC Casey. But, but, but New Amsterdam has been a strong SL team. They've, they've seemed to be. Uh, I, re- I really like their roster. I think Panama City goes all the way. Oh, of course. That's a, a real hot take there. That's what we need. I, I'm going to go with someone like Champagne. Or ACK, so whoever wins that series, that that second matchup in the Champions Cup feels like a strong team to me. No one's gonna go on a limb and pick uh, the Fighting Troys. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. See, I think it's going to be Brooklyn in the final. Boston Brooklyn in the final, and it's gonna be pretty epic. I'm just gonna keep doing that. Gonna, that could end the streak, like the championship gonna, streak. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Hawks are going to make it. The Boston, Boston's going to get upset. Brooklyn's going to get upset. I'm going to lose somehow. And then the Hawks are going to make a run and play someone retarded like New Amsterdam and then crush them in the, in the final. I'm taking, I would love to see the Chicago Hawks win it. I'm taking New Amsterdam. Uh, I'm also going to just start yelling random Brooklyn players uh, in all the <laughs> podcasts. So just get, get, get rid of them. <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna start doing that all the time. <laughs> if you're gonna go Wilcox, it's gotta be more like Wilcox. <laughs> How do you spell that? W I L L then capital C O K S exclamation point. Um, no, no, it's it's a uh, hold on, it's W I L. It's a hard box. Yeah, I think I think Matt's right. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely the access on the COCKS. <laughs> I think that's where it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely got to pronounce that. 
Does Ray Sears like own the Sears stores? He does. He does. He's he does? Uh, okay, that's what I thought. I, I found. I, I got. I got to take a. I got to take a picture of it. I, I, there's this uh, billboard with a local doctor. His name is Miguel Castillo, the former Louisville and Buckhead pitcher. Oh, and there's in Waco. There's a ad for Trujillo's Mexican restaurant, <laughs> which is Pablo Trujillo, the number eight batter for the Chicago Gold Sox. <laughs> it is. He's expanding, expanding the empire. He is. Waco, Texas, great place to yep. get shot. Yep, or to start a cult. One of those. A lot of good, a lot of good things happening in Waco. Isn't Baylor? Isn't Baylor? Isn't Baylor in yeah. Waco? Yes, Baylor's Baylor in Waco. Yeah, Waco. Waco also had a prominent role in the '90s, along with Zima. <laughs> Interesting, and Dr. Pepper. Arguably, uh, who, who, do, who do you think had a better 90s? Was it Zima or Waco, Texas? Uh, that's a tough one. Waco. I'm going to go with Zima. Really? Yeah. That's uh, one, of, one of the better German imports was Zima. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's near the, near the top of the list. <laughs> that people sent me in the Slack chat that I'm going to ask you guys. Fire away. So, okay. So one is uh, over under 5.5, the number of fights in general that will break out about clutch over the next week. Ooh. Uh, What's the line? 5.5. Oh. So one a day. Under. See, this this is uh, brings up a great question. Um, is it even an argument if it's a topic where only Troy believes it's true? Hmm. I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Come on, you you be in the, the middle ground. I try to stay in the middle ground. I feel like in this situation, <laughs> Troy is definitely Donald Trump. Trump. I feel like they have a lot of the same qualities. Do they? Should like Troy run for president? Troy for president. We'll start. Twenty twenty. We'll, we'll start up. We'll start up that movement. Yeah, but at least Donald Trump makes smart business decisions. Oh, <laughs> uh, he, he he signed Wilcox to that deal. He must have hold him up on gunpoint. That was. He must have. He must. Well, have, ever, he must everyone looked good. Everyone with a good player in, in out of the park fifteen held their players with a big gun point. It just happens that Boston and Brooklyn held them the most. Right. I Pretty reject much. that question because I let Trejo walk. So well, that's why you're in the Silver League. Was that? A- <laughs> that's exactly why I'm in the Silver League. It's, but at that point, I was destined for the Silver League anyway, so I'm walking because I couldn't afford this contract. So was was the uh, the big contract problem? Was that only a thing in fifteen? I don't remember being that bad before that. In um, I don't know about fourteen, but I definitely noticed it in fifteen. So there was two things going on. We didn't really understand the financials early. Yeah, and then fifteen. There was clearly a problem in fifteen, which we spent five seasons on because we we changed to uh, fifteen after season two, three, maybe three. I think season two. Yeah, then all those below market deals signed. It sounds like it seems yeah, like that, I mean, that's. Uh, I I got away better. with murder on Ballard. He's signed up for six years at ten million apiece, which is like ridiculous. But yeah. when you look at Brooklyn and Boston and how many players they got away with just fucking murdering, it's going to be five six years before we recover from that. And at that point, they're going to benefit from the financials having made the money from not having paid those guys. So the rest of the league is spending their time actually paying guys market value, whereas Boston and Brooklyn are just kind of fucking raping their players. But, yeah. I mean, that's just a that's just, that's just just something that happened from us starting up the league, and we weren't, you know, aware of, of what was going on. So it's cool. You know, it's just a thing. Boston and Brooklyn are always going to be crushing it. But uh, – Granted that, sure, some of them make some good business decisions, but they still have those players locked up 
on basically pre-arb deals well after arbitration. Yeah, even the even yeah, the nothing NC- against nothing uh, against Boston and Brooklyn. They made good decisions with what they were allowed to do within the game, but they're right. way above everyone else. Like there's seven games above Toledo, who's fighting for the third spot, and then from yeah. three to thirty-two, we seem to have a pretty gradual decline in talent. Right. Well, and then you've also got. They got all the guys locked up that were just fucking crushing it from the draft. You know, like that really crazy talent from the draft that everyone alleges that's, you know, big when the game first starts. That's all the talent that's locked up for six years at $8 million a year. So when you look at teams like myself or even any of the other teams bumping up uh, to Lido, you're probably the same. In way teams that have actually had to grow some of their shit and actually be sort of smart with some of the contracts and dishing out a decent bit of money for them, you've got those teams that that's going to be the norm five seasons from now. It's just unfortunate that it'll be a calendar year before we start to see that affect the game a little bit more. Yeah, it's a combination of, of a lot of things. It's the fact that Tyler and Troy are both yeah. good managers. They're both, nothing slips past them. Uh, right. You had original incredible drafts. The the original Brooklyn manager had an unreal draft. Well, it helped that they had the one one pick, uh, and Wilcox was yeah. clearly the one one. Um, I don't think anybody else. Yeah. There was no one else to take. Uh, and then locking these guys up to contracts that even the NCAA thinks uh, is underpaying them. Right. Um, yeah. Even they think what's happening is egregious there. So you have all these combinations, and then. Uh, at least in the case of Tyler, just completely killing it on a couple deals. Uh, the whatever the Jones, yeah. the Jones deal, and then the deal, uh, the recent deal with Grafton. You know, so that it, it's a combination of all of those factors. That if any one of them wouldn't happen, I don't think you'd see that big gap at the top. Uh, but here we are. I mean, someone yeah. someone's got to be up there. Yeah, and there's nothing we can do about it. We're aware of the financials now. I mean, had we been aware of it then, I would have definitely just turned off extensions if I knew that was a problem as soon as we either switched over or when we were starting the game. But it's it's an aspect of the game that we can't do anything about now, and it just kind of builds into our history. Like, Boston and Brooklyn just fucking crush it, you know, and you've got all these teams trying to take them down, which I'm cool with, you know. So it's just it's part of our little history, and it's still pretty unique, despite the conditions that cause it. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily terrible for the league either. I think the nature of the Russian relegation is there's always a couple teams that seem to rise above the rest for a while. And our financial format, I think, has allowed Boston and Brooklyn to be the permanent clubs, but in in five or six seasons, might be two different clubs. Now, the question in my mind is, is which English Premier League teams are Boston and Brooklyn? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, Brooklyn's definitely Manchester United. They have the most championships, trophies. By far, and that I, mean, I feel like I feel like Brooklyn is more like Chelsea. Yeah, that sounds right. They, They're not really uh, running at high pay. At least you can, at least you can sort of like Chelsea, like Manchester United. That, that's like a Boston. Like fuck those guys, you know. Like no yeah. one really likes Boston. At least Brooklyn just wins, you know. But Manchester United, it's like, oh yeah, cool. You know, you're fucking Manchester United. No one gives a shit. You know, yeah. and that's the same thing as Boston. Like, no one likes you, Tyler. You know, like, shut the fuck up. Who cares if your team gets second every time? Yeah, that's, Dude, uh, they're, they're, man, you are ripping on Tyler. They're they're Dude. they're very they're very inefficient, you could say. Um, you know, I will, we'll hand out all the Ian stars after after we. Is that a buzzword? Yeah, I was about to say. That like JJ can JJ can JJ can uh, uh, you know score this once it's uh, published. I feel like uh, Why isn't JJ here? I feel like Story I, feel, time with JJ. I feel like I feel like uh, Jose Mourinho is a lot like Tyler though, so that would that would put them in the yeah. Chelsea right? in, in the uh, that put Chelsea in the Boston camp. I I completely agree with that. It's like they're they're agitators to distract from their team, and and they know how to take the pressure off their team. And, and put it on themselves so their team can succeed. And uh, both of them are really good managers um, that nobody outside of their club likes, really. Yeah, very much. 
And uh, what uh, what Premier League team would uh, would Toledo be? I I'm guess, thinking I'm like Stoke City or something like that. I think well, <laughs> I'm thinking Swansea. Like I'm, I'm thinking Swansea. Swansea. Because they were maybe you. I think like uh, like Vancouver or something would be Swansea because Swansea's not even in England. Right. So, but, well, that's yeah. true. But I was thinking of somebody who came. <laughs> I was thinking of somebody who came up from the second or third, second or third division, and then has been able to stay and what teams, compete. I don't. I don't know my English soccer history very well. What teams you've come up and stayed? Well, well, for TJ, a you years. need to catch up and be at our level. <laughs> I think. Uh, the I fact, just started watching soccer like last year. I think the fact that I'm a, an Everton supporter. Um, is pretty perfect for Buckhead. Uh, a lot of mediocrity. Yeah, yes. A lot of that, lot of mediocrity. Going on. I think that's it, solid. I'm a I'm a Spurs supporter. That's a good fit for how my team performs. <laughs> Very Spursy. I agree with that too. Yeah. Hashtag that's so Spursy. I don't know what the gold box has been in, but I do know that many moons ago, about ten years ago, I was playing football manager. I just started playing it, and I chose U.S. Lecce, Lease? I don't know, the, a Serie B team in Italy. I told Matt this story in Phoenix. And I took them, I rebuilt the team, and I signed some good young guys. I took them to the promotion series four seasons in a row. And <laughs> all four seasons, I lost in PKs. In season five... I was That's given an ultimatum. Mid-season five, I was given an ultimatum that either I win the next game or I get fired or I could resign beforehand. <laughs> I lost the game, of course. Got fired. Somehow, Gladbach of the German second division at that time hired me. I took them to the promotion playoff, lost in PKs, got fired. No one would hire me. So if my <laughs> gold box were to emulate anyone, it would be U.S. lease in the Serie B, and I would have been fired three seasons ago. Now, <laughs> my, my question is, uh, being in the Premier League, you no longer have promotion playoffs. So this only leaves right. you to somehow lose in game 109 to get into the third place third place matchup. That, that I really hope that happens. About right. I really hope there's a game If it goes 14 innings... If it goes 14 innings, then that sounds about right. <laughs> and uh, If it comes down to a game 109 between like Buckhead and Chicago or Toledo and Buckhead or Toledo and Chicago, we're definitely going to call that game somehow. Oh, that would yeah. Be fun. Of course. Oh, that'd be, that'd be a great call. All right. Um, I'm going to wrap up here. Does anybody have anything else to, to chime in before we wrap up episode six? Uh, other than fuck Boston, no, I'm good. That's really all that needs to be said. Sometimes done. I'm, I'm going to add a. I'm going to add a fuck Brooklyn in there. Okay. Done, all right. Done. Seconded. Seconded. The uh, the motion stands. All right, fellas. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us anytime. <laughs> yep.